Hello, and welcome to Leading Inspired Learning, a Strive podcast. Welcome, I'm Liz, and I'm the ECE Resource Intern here at Strive, and I'll be your host on today's episode. I'm really excited to share our guest today. Uh, His name is Liam Sands, and he's an ECE professional within London. Uh, This episode is to highlight the amazing work Liam has done within the ECE profession and the Indigenous community. Join us as he shares his journey and moments of pride. Now, without further ado, I'm pleased to welcome Liam. Hi. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing good. Happy to happy to be here. I'm really happy, happy to, to have you. Celebrate my work as an indigenous male educator, and maybe even reach other male educators and uh, up and coming in the ECE profession. Definitely, that's very important. We're seriously lacking male yeah. pro- professionals right now, and I think your journey is so important because it's not just your male educator, but it's your your journey within profession and the indigenous community so I really wanted to share that with a lot of people. I think it's really interesting because I think it transcends also more so the indigenous aspect that it highlights the uniqueness of what I can bring to the table and you know throughout my own educational journey have really brought that forward for myself and really have looked inward and figured out you know what makes me unique among not only educators but uh, male educators as well and I think personally the male educator is somewhat of like an enigma in a sense that it is tough to find them but I think they're all very good with the uh, the children and they all stand out in a sense but I think you know it, it it's a lot deeper than that I think it's on their own selves to figure out yeah yeah I'm different than everybody else obviously but um, what does it take to celebrate your differences and bring them forward and what what can you bring to the table yeah yeah definitely so do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey um so my name is Liam Sands I am an indigenous educator registered early childhood educator and I am currently working for um, an indigenous center here in London Ontario I have been working as a registered ECE for um, about a year and a half now I graduated from Fanshawe's ECE program in April of 2021. Yeah, so <laughs> for in terms of my journey, that's about where I'm at now, where I've come from so far. Why did you pick RECE? Like, why why is that the journey you chose? Um, growing up, I had a lot of um, exposure to uh, my family and being Indigenous. A lot of us have larger families and you know, I've always been surrounded with uh, little cousins and even my own younger siblings. And, you know, I was always out with them, playing with them, even at family functions and family gatherings. Even as I grew into a teenager, was like sitting uh, with the little kids at the kids table, that sort of thing, and really drawn to their development. And, um, you know, I always like cherished that and found it really special, like um, seeing them grow and explore the world and have, you know, firsts and develop skills that will be used for the rest of their lives is I've always felt something to behold, so I think, you know, that's always been what's drawn me towards being near children in the early years. And um, when I was in high school, I I honestly took a lot of trade classes and was uh, affiliated with that and, like, was woodworking and doing um, auto body and that kind of stuff. But when it came down to apply for post-secondary, I really was lost on what I wanted to do, but still couldn't help but feel that connection to the early years and then within a short period of time done my research and you know figured 
you know, the work and the, the playing that I do with my younger siblings could be, like, turned into something bigger and more of a career for myself. So, you know, that's was mainly the driving force was my family and my siblings behind that choice. So you said you took a break. Did you go right from high school or did you have time off before you went to the EC program? Yeah, I went right in. You know, a lot of people do that where they take a year, take a bit to figure out what they want to do. But it was kind of a quick decision for me. But it still to this day, three, four years later, I'd say is definitely the right one. And yeah, I just drove, put my head down and just drove headfirst into it and um, really haven't looked back since. Well, I've seen you work with kids before because we've worked together and like watching you with them. And I know there's those amazing moments and like you are a big kid in those moments (laughs) and just watching you wrestle with the kids or like run around the play yard is like so enlightening because you get those educators sometimes that just get so lost and just don't know how to be that kid anymore because they take on that professional aspect like so strongly, which is important as well. But I, I see within you that you've taken that professionalism, but and that still connecting with kids and building those relationships with the kids is very serious for you and like really important. Yeah, and really they go hand in hand. Um, personally, I've seen educators who do follow that that professional route and are um, not to disparage anybody, but um, can be really like sticklers for a lot of development and a lot of this and a lot of things that they've read. But um, I think a lot of it is seeing them. You got you have to read them individually when you're there and. As I said, I've seen educators who do both and some who are really, like, um, should be counted in ratio. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, um, like myself sometimes. But I think it is a really fine line that you have to walk in terms of bringing that forward. And, you know, it's it's still something that I I love. I love seeing their faces because, you know, they don't go into an environment. Maybe not even at home do they see somebody being that silly or that... Fun. Interesting and fun. Yeah, so... And what, what it is for me, especially working with this community now that I work with, is being that entity and that safe haven for a lot of them who might not see that. And for me, it's a lot of being a male, too, plays a big role in that is, is, is safety and showing them that, yeah, you know, I am a 6'3", heavier dude, and like, but setting down that pride and setting down that those barriers or those stereotypes that even or the experiences that they have with maybe other people that aren't as safe, like, dropping that and being silly with them is is really important for me and showing them that that way and that I can be somebody like that who's fun for them and what have you yeah yeah like the, every time like we'd wa- you'd walk in a yard or a classroom there was like immediate <laughs> screaming and it was just so enlightening because they could have been in the worst mood and the second they saw you even passing a window they were smiling so much and it was very enlightening and I know how hard it was for you for a little while in the beginning like being that male educator and like trying to understand what people and some children are going through because of like male representation in their lives and you even crossing those like making those leaps and bounds and like building those relationships even if they were timid or afraid at first it was you really stuck with it and pushed yourself and like to be a like a good role model for these kids yeah and that's that's all it's about for me is like I that's what I want to shine through for myself um, I've worked in environments where, honestly, being a male educator can make or break the vibe in the room and make it, it can be kind of extreme where people really celebrate it. And sometimes even I would be like, well, I'm not really doing anything. <laughs> I'm not really <laughs> engaging. I'm sitting here kicking rocks or, you know, or other people would see me like in those moments where even we were talking about how those children would be so engaged, but still just that being me, they weren't really 
it wasn't something that grabbed them and they still had to hold on to their own maybe experiences or past notions about males being in this field that aren't necessarily healthy but I can understand where they're coming from and you know like I said it could either make or break it but it's 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 always been for me the quality of the care and the quality of the interactions that is being noticed not only by the kids but my fellow staff and the families as well definitely and you had mentioned like growing up within like the culture and like how that played a big role in like the big family and the relationship you have like had with like children within your family and stuff and so would you mind sharing a little bit about like your journey within your culture and yeah. indigenous identity um for my myself i am a um sixth generation powwow singer and a champion men's fancy dancer i've been a part of this circle in these ways since um i could walk this is something that's been in my family for a long time. On my dad's side of the family, my grandfather is a was a, a medicine man and a, a keeper of that knowledge. And, you know, he was, they for as long as he could remember, had always been a part of that way of life and that way of connected to their language and connected to that way of being. But through, you know, much like a lot of other Native families, like government agenda and that kind of stuff and trauma, it's it a lot of that knowledge was kind of lost, but we still carry it in a sense. You know, and that's something where it's interesting for me, not just as an educator um, working with the community that I do, but also as an individual looking at the knowledge that I have and thinking about how you can expand on it because it's an ever-growing thing. You know, not not I was always told not one person has it all, not one person is always going to know it all, much like everything. But I think a lot of that, what I've learned on my journey so far, has a lot of transferable life themes for me and even transfer into this field, like the, the caring and nurturing style of um, the way we do things. And uh, like I said, a lot of Native people have larger families and are very family-oriented. And um, not necessarily gender-specific, but there are roles within our community. And I think children, for us, were always something to be cherished and always something to be protected over and shown how to do things and instilling those values. and. Not that it's different for other cultures or people across the world, but I think for us, I've always really observed that that connectedness with one another and that there's almost like an intimacy between people that's really safe and like, yeah. Do you want to talk about um, bringing in that like culture and stuff into your work? Like, Yeah, definitely. I think that I was always told about the culture stuff that It'll, it was here before you, and it'll be here when you die. So for me, that's um, that's always resonated. And every time I do something with the kids, whether it's speak a language or even say a word in the language or pick up a drum or um, dance, and they watch me, like just I'm just a carrier of that knowledge towards a future generation of people doing it. And for me, that's, that's the most important. Um, you know, I've run even to where I work now, people asking me questions about, um, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you like, in, in a sense, sometimes it can feel exploitative, but you know, I always, um, go back to what's safe for me and just explain that fact that, you know, there's not a lot of grandeur behind what we're doing here. And, and in reality, it's quite simple, like the dancing and the singing, but it's the, the spirituality and the connectedness that brings us all together. And I think that's, those are the themes that I try and convey when I bring it into my work with the kids. A big part of it for me is authenticity and being realistic with the culture. Like, I know there are a lot of ways to do this, 
a, way, a lot of ways to sing, a lot of ways to dance, and throughout in North America, there's many indigenous people who do have their own styles and have their own variations of singing and dancing, but what I can do for these kids, and not only that much, not only singing and dancing, but everything, is show them what I know and be transparent about that with everybody, the kids, the families, the other staff, that this is what I know, there are other ways to do this, but personally, this is how I do it. I remember having like conversations with you about that like exploitative like tokenized aspect of it and like how some people don't realize that like going to you and asking all these questions is like it's it, it's not helpful yeah. and instead like I like the way you said like that you are like you're a knowledge keeper for what you know and like understand but it's yeah. not necessarily like you know it all and you're like ready to give it all because you're ready to give everything you have and you want to but it's not this thing because I know the issues that you've had with people trying to tokenize it or bring it in at not the right moment or exploiting your knowledge to better themselves instead of bettering the care for the kids and like I know how hard that like and I've watched how like you struggled with it and like didn't yeah. know how to explain to people not to do that because you're like I don't want to be mean but I don't I think it's not appropriate right yeah. and it's that's one thing that I've learned through like that's helped me on my educational journey as well as an educator and blending those two is being that safe space as well being that safe space for the kids and for adults even to ask questions because in all honesty like what I've gone through there and then you know reflecting on that more recently like um, our own people will exploit those things you know it's not necessarily the non-indigenous people coming up to you and trying to exploit your culture there are people who will play into that yeah. and prey on the fact that they don't know any better but I think you know a big part of that and like values for us is, is karma a lot of it is spirituality it's not necessarily like a religion so much as it is like spirituality and a lot of people believe in um have a lot of karmic beliefs in that regard and for me i was always taught to respect that and you know i would never let greed or or anything cloud my judgment into bringing that culture and sharing that knowledge with people and yeah it is a lot of sometimes i'll run into issues where you know somebody will ask me a question and i'll just like grind my teeth and be like oh so it's mm, no like how but, can i put this nicely <laughs> yeah, without like how, do, how do i rephrase this but it's been a journey for me to like you know ground myself with being around a lot of indigenous people and taking it back out to um, exploring that with non-indigenous people because like i said like it's one thing to answer questions and have that camaraderie with people but then it's another thing when somebody who doesn't know anything about it really at all wants to know and it's been an, a, a good challenge for me to kind of explain and help people work that out and be a part of other people's learning journeys you know what I mean like I really I do this stuff and I say these things and I get into these positions but it's funny when people look to me for that because I think you know I'm not I'm not there yet I still have people like I have some sometimes I'm people ask me questions, questions. <laughs> I'll like be like one sec and I'll turn around and I'll ask somebody who knows more and I'll just be like this middleman in a sense but it's in all honesty been a ride for me I think I touched on it earlier but blending those two worlds together for the betterment of the indigenous children in this community for sure definitely so what's something you've noticed about your growth and development as an REC well I started working in May 2021 in the field and right off the bat I was really just enthusiastic about everything really just wanting to jump headfirst into every conflict every transition everything and I kind of 
I'll be honest now, kind of had a very arrogant way of looking at things and thinking that I was really good and telling educators in the past and mentors and whatever else telling me I was good and telling me I was this and that and really taking that and like running with it and being like, oh, this person's not handling it the way I would, whatever. Like, I think I've become a lot more open as time has gone on. And um, last year I had a student and, you know, I was for myself really like playing that game too being part of this race of like oh yeah like do it like this do it like that and we're like correcting each other and like constantly trying to one-up one another and saying you know like in a sense saying like we're better than one another we're better than everybody else this is the the program we're running is better than this one and wearing that really proudly and um you know what i what it led to was me burning out and i didn't really know and i reached a point last september where i was like completely burnt out and I didn't, I felt like I didn't want to do this anymore. And then I had switched to uh, a family center position that I had seen other educators take when they're burnt out as a way, like almost like an, an out or a cop out or their ticket out of being off the floor. But what I found when I left was like, I still had a passion for the early years and being with them in that capacity of like all day and being with them and sharing those moments because being a part of a family center or drop-in program is nice but you don't necessarily get the connection with the kids that you maybe would on the floor or it looks different I find that it looks different for me so I had come back to child care and I found that this time around I'm a lot more patient I'm a lot more open to the way that people are doing things and I'm a lot more collaborative I think even with the last within the last month alone have been really like finding that confidence that I had but dropping the arrogance piece where I'm better than other people and better than this educator or better than that or I handle this better than this person and elevating everybody else to just be on a team that we're all on the same team we're all trying to come together for a common goal um, we had worked together not too long ago and I noticed that within myself that I was still like even when somebody was coming into the room who was busy, an educator who was busy and, you know, doing things with the kids and engaging them a certain way that I would just still, like, shrink myself and still, like, be, oh, they're just doing it, like, this way or they're just doing it, like, that way and that's not the way I would do it. But, you know, like, just leaving the situation and I found that I'm more engaged, more engaged with everybody. And I found that, you know, not one person can do it alone. Not one educator can run a room by themselves. And, you know, banking on your team and banking on the kids as a co-learning experience with everybody that we're all learning and coming together for this one goal is really super important. I think that's mainly what I've learned recently. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you've been on a very reflective journey, which is I know it's very important and I know how hard it can be to look at yourself in a negative light or not necessarily negative light, but look at yourself in a different light where you went from, like you said, this arrogant kind of, mentality to like being still that confident and like knowing your skills but also knowing that you can be a co-learner and knowing that taking a step back is good for you sometimes and understanding yeah. when to do things so. well the, where I'm at now when I first started I was with a, a room partner and it was just me and one other person and this was somebody who you know not a lot of people were very fond of but you know I was I was being a part of that whereas you know I could have either extracted myself or tried to elevate the both of us as a team or work together and create this room and this space you know I was one foot in one foot out and trying to uphold this image I had for myself and keep it together with people and you know like really disassociating and really being like oh you know like I am I am better than this person it is whatever and like they're over there I'm over here but I think I've learned these days to really you know it doesn't matter who's in the room 
It could be, you know, the biggest stickler in the world, or it could be Ronald McDonald. And, you know, it's like, I think you really have to work together with who you have, work with the tools you got, and make the best of it. And just keep in mind, I always run back to that, keep in mind, like, what I'm here for, what I'm here to do. And that is what drives me now to, you know, keep a steady pace at what I'm doing so I don't feel like I'm getting burnt out and starting to feel inspired and get that passion back for the field and for this work that we do, yeah. Yeah, everyone's got their own strengths and weaknesses, and Mm -hmm. it's really important, like you said, to know, like, your own and be able to reflect and know others so that you can work together and build something really, really awesome and really, like, engaging for the children and important for the children and families that you work with. Yeah. So why do you think you're, like, what you're doing is important? I know we touched on it a bit, like, but why do you think your journey in particular is important? Within our communities, um, I'm not too sure about non-Indigenous people, but, you know, from what I've seen, a lot of our people have been through trauma and been through hard times and fallen on that. And, you know, a lot of them are on their way to reclaiming their culture and reclaiming who they are and, like, more or less taking back their own lives, which is really important and I've always really celebrated that what has always inspired me has seeing our people function in society. When I was a kid um, in high school, I would attend these indigenous events and we'd be hearing from this person and hearing from that person and these speakers and these people. And like, I never found myself like engaged until one day we went to an event at Fanshawe and they had three people there. I forget what one of them was, but the one guy was a um, a firefighter. He was like the, the fire chief or whatever. And then this other guy was an, an actor and he had worked in Hollywood and worked with these big names and not exclusively indigenous roles, which for me is like, especially in this community that I'm working with now, urban indigenous people, seeing them thrive in that regard and, you know, not falling back on things or not being afraid to go out there and make a name for themselves or, you know, do things for themselves that are fulfilling and just being a leader. There's a, a new wave of Indigenous people, like, you know, graduating university and becoming doctors and becoming, like, in uh, high up in these professions that are every day, you know, not ones that you'd expect from our past experiences and that kind of stuff. And those are the things that I celebrate, and that's something that I want to be a part of. So for me, it's, it's more or less being a leader. Yes, it's educating the kids, but it's also looking at kids like myself you know, and giving them things that I never had or giving them experiences that they might not see at home. You know, we have some children who are in foster care or, you know, have tougher times at home. And for me, it's, again, being that safe haven for them and being that, that role model and that leader to those children who might not have that where they are. Um, it's never like a judgment thing so much as it is just like supporting them and being there. And, you know, I walk in this morning and I had kids knocking at my door and the kids being like, I had a kid walk in and be like, me, mom, me, mom, I'm about you a rock. And I was like, Oh, cool. Like awesome. And, but you know, I'd worked with that kid never directly, you know, it, she was never in my room or anything, but that reach for me is like, I think the most important thing. And like I said, being that role model for indigenous kids who might not see that. Cause I know when I was growing up, um, outside of my family there wasn't really too many people that I could look at and be like oh you know there's a a cop he looks like me you know there's a a rock star he looks like me this guy on tv he looks like me we got the same color skin like that wasn't really a thing that I saw growing up giving that to another kid being like oh there's a my teacher he looks like me there's a teacher he's uh indigenous like I am and 
being a part of this growing movement to be out in the world and being um, trying to inspire our youth and that kind of stuff is, I feel like, the most important for me. That was really beautifully put. So we have a little game. We're going to rapid fire some questions for Liam, and we're going to get some fun answers. So are you ready? Yes. All right. What's your favorite children's book? Um, Oh, The Places You'll Go. That's an amazing Or or any Dr. Seuss, for that matter. (laughs) How about your favorite activity to do with children? Um, It's not really that structured, but I'd say it's a form of tag. (laughs) (laughs) It's more like a catch-me kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah. I remember that one. How about your favorite ice cream flavor? Strawberry. Mm. Basic, but not too basic. Exactly. A little bit of flavor in there. Okay, something you feel excited about? Just moving forward with my career and finding out, like reinventing myself constantly, having that evolution. And, you know, maybe I'll look back a year from now and be like, maybe you were too open and too collaborative and I'll shut down again. No, I'm just kidding. But um, just that constant evolution is what really excites me, for sure. Definitely. I can totally understand that. So what's your favorite activity outside of work? Um... I really like to play music. I really like, I do it for myself, quietly, <laughs> but um, playing in front of crowds is not my forte, but honestly, like playing guitar and the bass and drums and that kind of stuff and listening to music is probably one of my favorite activities outside of work, for sure. Okay, so last question. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite thing you've relearned recently? In terms of my cultural journey, I'd say the favorite thing I've relearned is, has been language, anything language related. Um, I come from many tribes, um, so there's quite a few languages there, but anytime I can learn something new, whether it's a word or a phrase or even slang that I can use in a funny context is really like, it really like hits home in the heart and it feels really good. So yeah, anything language related. Well, I have another question that you said that. Do you have a favorite word you've learned recently? (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Something appropriate for the podcast? Something appropriate for the podcast. you know, I'd have to put a pin in that and okay. come back to well, it. Well, maybe we'll get a follow-up blog and we can learn all about your yes, favorite words. Yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for joining me today. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I'm really excited for other people yeah, to hear no your problem. journey. That was fun. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. You can connect with us on Instagram at Leading Inspired Learning Pod or on our website at striveswo.ca slash podcast. I would love to have you tell a friend or colleague about this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Please join us next time.